0: You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville Audio Podcast. What a privilege to get to come and hang out with you today most of the time. I'm, I'm south of here on the Cornelius campus, uh, but great to be here with you this morning. Some of you I don't know, which is always exciting every time I come back to get to see new faces. So welcome to our Grace Covenant family. And uh, we're going to get into the Word this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can look with me to Second Timothy We're going to be back to our theme verse for this series. Today we're actually concluding this Getting Into Shape series. Over the past three weeks we've been talking about some spiritual disciplines that can help grow us in our faith and that can help in this process of training us to be godly. As we've said throughout this series, the spiritual disciplines are the means by which we bring ourselves before God so that He can bring His transforming grace to us. So if you can think of it like this, the disciplines position us before God so that our spiritual trainer, I mean, you know, we all have a spiritual trainer, come on. Who is it? Third person the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Who's what? Shaping us, refining us, training us to be spiritual um, as we're in this process. So the disciplines position us before God so that He can bring His transforming grace to us in our lives. And so we're going to talk about the last two disciplines this morning that are significant in our lives in this ongoing process of spiritual development. But before we get there, I want to brag for just a minute. How many of you know if you have children, you love to brag on your children? Bring out the pictures, right? And grandparents are even worse. Oh my goodness. Man, and when they start bringing out the pictures, you know you're going to be there for a while, Right? And we all like to brag on our children, their successes, their accomplishments. And So this morning I want to brag for just a minute, but I'm not going to brag on my children. Actually, I want to brag on the pastoral staff that I have the privilege of serving with. This past year, in 2017, some of our staff members uh, really got serious about this whole concept of getting into shape. What they realized is that their bodies were... Uh, a shape, but it wasn't what we would call physical shape, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's like one of my friends told me, "Hey, Pastor, I'm in shape. Round is a shape." And that's not, that's not what we're talking about. But they really took serious this charge of I need to I need to get my body into physical shape. So they began to embrace a process in 2017 um, that transformed their lives. And I just want to throw up a couple of pictures for you. Some of these pastors you won't know. Um, We have Pastor Scott and his wife, Christy, the before and after, get this, the two of them lost a total of 175 pounds. Isn't that amazing? Then we have Pastor Trish and her husband, Chris, you see the before and the after, they lost together, combined, 110 pounds. Then we have Pastor Kate, who serves here at Statesville, actually she's downstairs, loving on teaching the children. Pastor Kate, before and after, Pastor Kate's lost 93 pounds. Come on. Isn't that great? Then we have uh, Pastor Daniel. Yep, the before and after Pastor Daniel's lost 70 pounds. And as I've talked with these pastors, um, I had to prod them, a couple of them a little bit, to say, listen, you've got to take care of your physical body. We're in this for the long haul. This is not a sprint, it's a marathon run. And we honor God by taking care of our bodies, right? And so a couple of them I had to prod a little bit, but this is what they've told me, everyone, as I've interacted with them. They said, We feel better, we have more energy, um, we're enjoying life more. And actually, a couple of the pastors were, were able to come off some medications. Because they lost the weight and they got their bodies into physical shape. But here's the deal. My point for sharing these pictures with you is it didn't happen overnight. They didn't wake up one day and say, wow, we lost 100 pounds. It was a process of time. There was a commitment to disciplines and it took some work. In other words, they didn't just arrive at the place of being in shape. They had to work at getting into shape. Was it always fun? When it... Everybody else is eating donuts and they're not. Listen, it's not fun. I saw the kids getting donuts back there this morning and I couldn't have one. That wasn't fun, right? But it takes work. And as I was saying about that, that whole process of getting into physical shape, there's this great parallel to us getting into spiritual shape. If we're going to be spiritually fit, if we're going to be in shape spiritually, then what does it take? It always takes time, not days, but decades. It takes what? A process that we're engaging the process and it takes work. That's, that's, that's the challenge. We don't just get spiritually mature by doing nothing. It's kinda like you can't sit in the recliner eating Krispy Kreme donuts and at the same time be in physical shape. No, what you gotta get you gotta get out of the recliner and do some work. And it's the work part that challenges us. I came across a few cartoon strips this past week that, that speaks to this work part that I think oftentimes keeps us from getting both into physical shape and spiritual shape. And these cartoon clips made me chuckle a little, so maybe you'll enjoy them as well. Let's look at this first one. This is a minion. I did a push-up today. Well, actually, I fell down, but I had to use my arms to get back up, so close enough. Now I need chocolate. Then <laughs> the second one... I exercised once, but found out I was allergic to it. My skin flushed. My heart raced. I got sweaty and short of breath. Very dangerous. But this is my favorite. Don't forget, you are what you eat. I need to eat a skinny person. (laughs) But friends, just as eating a skinny person will not make you skinny, so it's the same. Just going to church will not make you spiritually fit. I just dropped a bomb on you. And I'm glad you're here this morning that we can have this worship experience together. I think corporate worship is vital, it's important, it's significant. But hear me, just attending a church or just being a member of a church alone will not make you spiritually fit. That would be like saying, well, I I have... I have a membership at Planet Fitness, and I go every day. I go every day, and I just kind of walk around and visit with all the folks there, have some good fellowship, and then I leave. And the next day, I go back to Planet Fitness, and I do the same thing. I just kind of walk around. Here's the question. Did you get on the equipment? Did you utilize any of the equipment there to help you toward your goal of what? Being physically fit. Just being a member at Planet Fitness will not make you physically fit. You can go every day, have good fellowship, walk around and bother everybody else who's trying to get in shape, right? But at some point you have to get on the equipment to come to that place of being in physical shape. And again, it's the same for us spiritually. And that's the value, the value of the spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about, what they train us. Matter of fact, let's look back to our theme verse 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. It's on the screen. So let's read this together. Would you read it with me? Let's go. Train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Listen, there should be an ongoing process happening in our lives as Christ followers. From the point of our salvation experience, There's this ongoing process that should be happening, and that we're becoming, we're in the process of becoming more like Christ. So, from the moment we accept Christ forward until the day we die, until the day you take your last breath, again, as Christ follows, we should be engaged in this ongoing process of training ourselves to be godly. Listen, friends, God didn't save you just to get you to heaven. If that was His sole purpose of saving you just to get you to heaven, then you wouldn't be here now, right? He's left you here so that you can represent Him in this community and so that you can embrace this ongoing process of what? Getting into shape spiritually, growing in godliness. And Paul said, if you look back to the verse, he says, this growing in godliness has value both in this life, not just this life, but for all eternity. And that's why, that's why it's so sig- significant that we're consistently training ourselves to be God and to get into spiritual shape. So thus far in this series, we've talked about six disciplines. We've talked about prayer and fasting, silence and solitude, simplicity and service. Now today we're going to look at two more disciplines. Today we want to talk about confession and worship. Confession and worship. You know, at the heart of God is the desire to give and forgive. Because of this, He set into motion this, this entire redemptive process that culminated in the cross and was confirmed in the resurrection. And it's through the discipline of confession that we have access to God's redeeming, restoring work. It's through confession that, that we can receive God's mercy and grace in our lives. In First John 1, 8 and 9, we have a, a great verse of Scripture that's both a fact and a promise. So look for the fact, look for the promise as I read this. 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So what's the fact? Here's the fact. The fact is, is we all sin. Right? Don't look so holy. Don't look so righteous. You know what I'm talking about. But we all stumble. Right? Yes. We, we all fall. We all fail. Now, most of the time, it's probably not intentional. It's not like you set out to be. You set out to sin. But the reality is, is our spirits are 100% saved and our souls are what? They're, they're being saved. Correct? Correct? Right. L- let me say it again. Thank you. So, our spirits are 100% saved and our souls are being saved. So what does that say? It says that we're all in process, right? And in that process, n- none of us are perfect yet, right? So what happens? We say, so the fact, the fact that's in First John 1, 8 and 9 is what? We, we sin. But here's the promise. If we confess our sins, if we take ownership of our sin, then we can receive God's mercy and grace. We can have our... Our slate wiped clean, we can come before a holy, righteous God and be fully acquitted. Man, that's good news. We come before God dirty and we leave what? Clean and free. What? Through the discipline, through the discipline of confession. So we have the fact. The fact is what? That we all sin. And then we have the promise. The promise of God's forgiveness for our lives. So confession is a, is a discipline that we need to embrace often, simply, folks, because we sin often. I mean, it's the ongoing reality of our lives, if we're honest this morning. I mean, it's, it's what we struggle with. So what we need, I, I like to call it in my own life, I like to call it R&R. What do I need? I need daily R&R. What's R&R? Routine repentance. We need routine repentance in our lives. Simply, folks, because we stumble and we fail. And that's the ongoing process. That's the ongoing necessity of confession. And that it's through confession as we own our stuff, God brings His mercy and His transforming grace to our lives. And hopefully in the process, what? We're being refined. We're being transformed. Hopefully we're moving uh, to a place of being more like Christ. and We're becoming more spiritually fed. St. Alfonso Ligoria made a great statement about confession. It's there in your notes. Listen as I read this quote. He says, For a good confession, three things are necessary. An examination of conscience, sorrow, and a determination to avoid sin. So three things. So let's look at each of these a little deeper. The first is this. Confession, this discipline of confession involves the examination of conscience. So we're inviting the Holy Spirit to reveal areas of our lives that needs the grace and forgiveness of God. In other words, we're getting honest with God about what might be hidden in our lives. Maybe others can't see it, but how I many you know God sees it? Others may not know it, but what? God knows it. So, examination. We're giving the Holy Spirit an opportunity, so to speak, to shine the spotlight in our lives to reveal issues that might be keeping us from this goal of becoming godly. Because sin in our lives is like an obstacle. It's a roadblock. It's a an hindrance. And so there's this examination. You know, about once a year, once every 18 months, I go to see my doctor for my annual physical exam. Um, and when I go to see my doctor, and if you do annual exams, you know the process. What's the doc do? You ask a lot of questions, right? And he draws some blood. And he checks my vitals. And then he pokes and prods my body. What he's trying to discover, get this, he's examining my body to try to discover if there's something that's hidden that can't be seen. And it's the same process. Confession is what? It's allowing the Holy Spirit to examine within us. So first, there's the examination. Second, confession also involves sorrow. We're expressing our deep regret at at having offended the heart of God. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, the Scripture says that godly sorrow, godly sorrow brings repentance in our lives. So So there's this aspect of sorrow. So there's the examination. There's sorrow. And then here's the third part. There's a determination to avoid sin. So we're asking God to give us a desire for holy living, and a hatred for unholy living. In other words, we're asking God to change us. The confession is not like, well, I'm confessing to God so I can go and sin some more. No, that's not the concept of confession. Confession and repentance means this. It means we're getting honest with God and we're we're making a U-turn. We're making a change in our lives. And that's how we come to this place of, of being in spiritual shape. But there's this ongoing transformation that's happening through confession. A great example of this is found in Psalm 51. Actually, you have to go back to 2 Samuel 11. That's where the story begins. 2 Samuel chapter 11, we have King David who makes a pretty big blunder in his life. He commits adultery with a woman by the name of Bathsheba. He tries to cover all of that up in the midst of his cover-up scheme. He has her husband murdered, has Uriah murdered... Um, And he thinks like everything's okay because nobody knows. But how many of you know God knows? Right? God knows. So God sends the prophet Nathan. And basically, the prophet Nathan sticks his finger in David's face and says, You're guilty. You're the man. And it's interesting. David's response was this You're right. I'm wrong. What I've done is wrong. He was a broken man before God. So we, out of Second Samuel 11, we have Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was David's prayer of repentance before God. And I want to read just a portion of Psalm 51. Listen to what David wrote. He says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. And then he says this, Psalm 51.10, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In other words, David's saying, Lord, don't just cleanse me, change me. Create within me, in here, a clean heart. So so this whole concept of confession is it's a determination to avoid sin. We're asking God to give us a desire for, for holy living. And here's the good news. God desires to forgive, to redeem, and restore in our lives. And it's this discipline of confession that opens our lives to the mercy and grace of God. It's this discipline of confession that it allows us like, to unload the junk. How many of you know there's a tendency we get junk in the trunk? Come on, I'm not talking about your car. You know what I'm talking about. Then I can unload the junk where? At the cross. I can unload the junk through the process of confession when I get honest with God and allow the Holy Spirit to shine the spotlight on the stuff at times I must confess the ugly stuff in my own life. And I own it. And I bring it before God. And when I do, here's the good news. I receive His mercy. Listen, it's not because of what I deserve. It's because of the richness of God's mercy. Listen, you can do the same. Listen, every day we can unload the junk in the trunk through this discipline of confession. And that's why, again, this discipline is so significant and so valuable. Listen, if you didn't sin much, you wouldn't have to confess much. Right? Right? But just think about the reality of your own life. I'm not, I'm not one to judge you. It's not my place to judge you. But you should be judging you. Right? You should. You, you, you should be like bringing yourself honest before God. And again, as you unload the junk in the truck, what happens? There's this transformation that's happening. Every day, incrementally, we're becoming more like Christ. It's, again, it's this whole process of we're getting, we're getting into shape spiritually. We're growing in godliness. Now, after the confession of our sins, then we're ready for the second discipline that we want to talk about this morning. It's the discipline of worship. So watch worship? To worship God is to ascribe the proper worth to God. It's the action of coming humbly before a holy God and giving Him honor and giving Him praise and giving Him adoration. Now, worship can certainly include singing. Earlier, the worship team did a phenomenal job leading us in worship. And here's the challenge, though, that we've come to in church, is we have, we have limited the concept of worship to what happens like in the first 20 minutes of the service. We call that worship, and it is worship, but worship is so much more than just singing a song. We should sing a song, even if you can't sing. Listen, you, you should sing. Why? But listen, your neighbor may not like it, but God does, right? God does. And He says, make a, make a joyful noise. And sometimes, man, I make a noise. And this is what I know. Again, you may not like it, but God does. That's why I sing, even if others don't like it. Why? Because I'm bringing honor to God. It's not, for me, it's not about what others think. It's really about what God thinks, right? At the end of the day, that's what's really important. And so, so worship is singing, but worship is so much, so much more than singing. Worship is really about honoring God with our lives. And singing can be, singing can be a part of that. I love this verse in Colossians 3.23 that says this, Whatever you do, so think about that, whatever you do, He goes on to say, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for man. It's the Lord Christ you are serving. So whatever you do has the potential to be worshipped to God. One of my favorite definitions of worship comes from William Temple. I have it on the screen. It's quite lengthy. But listen to how William Temple defines worship. He says, the worship is to quicken the conscience, conscience by the holiness of God. It's to feed the mind with the truth of God. It's to purge the imagination by the beauty of God. It's to open the heart to the love of God. It's to devote the will to the very purpose of God. Wow. that's what worship is. So worship is what is like this right response to a holy and good God. But worship requires discipline. Without discipline, our worship becomes inconsistent and shallow. And that's why we need discipline as we're thinking about this concept of worship. That's why we need to intentionally build the spiritual discipline of worship into our lives on a daily basis. And it's through worship that our lives are transformed. It's through worship, again, like confession, it's through worship that we, we get into spiritual shape. In Romans 12.1, the Apostle Paul wrote these words about, about worship. Listen as I read. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. He goes on to say, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So notice how Paul connects worship to transformation. He says, in view of God's mercy, in view of all that God's done for you, Men present your lives as what? Living sacrifice. So he, God, here's my worship. I'm bringing myself. And Paul goes on to say, don't be conformed. Don't be shaped by the world, but be transformed. Again, it's the worship. It's this discipline of worship that leads us to transformation. So worship is the means to seek, to focus, and to respond to God. In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus tells us to ask and it will be given to us. And we'll find a knock and the door will be opened to you. It's through worship, friends, it's through worship that we open our lives in a greater way to God. If you want God to work in your life in a greater way, let me tell you how you get there. It's through the discipline of worship. Worship is, is the entry point to the very presence, the very power, the very provision of God. And the value of worship. So through worship, we seek and we focus and respond to God. I mean, worship certainly honors God, but worship changes us. It honors God, but the change happens in my own life. But we must always remember as well that worship is more than an event that we participate in, but the way we live our lives is we seek to honor God in every area of our lives. You know, I've already read Romans 12.1, but I want to go back to it again. This time I want to read it from the message paraphrase. Listen to how Eugene Peterson paraphrases Romans 12.1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you, take your everyday, ordinary, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Your everyday, ordinary, eating, sleeping, walking around, going to work, life, and place it before God as your worship. So again, worship is is a song, but... It's so much more than a song. It's honoring God in our lives and with our lives. And and as that consistently happens in our lives, then worship becomes the avenue through which we discover and live out our destiny, our purpose, and our potential. Listen, if you want to discover greater destiny, if you want to experience greater purpose in life, and if you want to live out greater potential in your life, then hear me, friends. Worship is the way. Greater purpose. Greater destiny greater potential. Where do you find that? You find that through this discipline of worship. That's why we want to commit our lives to this what I call a lifestyle of worship. And then I'm taking my everyday ordinary life and I'm submitting it and I'm surrendering it to God. I'm I'm bringing myself before God so that he can bring greater destiny, greater purpose and greater potential, so that He can bring, what, transformation. And again, that's why, that's why worship is so significant. It's the means that we open our lives to the refining of the Holy Spirit. So through the disciplines of confession and worship, again, we position ourselves before God in such of a way that the Holy Spirit refines, the Holy Spirit reforms, the Holy Spirit restores our lives. That's why these two disciplines, confession and worship, Are critical as we're training ourselves to be godly. This morning, I purposefully shortened the message. Uh, I can talk longer if you want to hear more. But I wanted to shorten the message this morning because this is what I thought. I thought, you know, more than just talking about these two disciplines, we have an opportunity to practice them this morning. See, worship can be, confession and worship can be private. And oftentimes it is. Like long before I ever got here this morning, way before the sun came up, I spent some time with God in confession. It's everyday business for me. Listen, I know who I am. Like Paul, oh, wretch man that I am, who can save me from this body of death? Profession can be private, but can also be corporate. What's corporate? Corporate's when we're gathered like this. Worship should be private. Listen, I, I do some of my best singing when I'm driving down the interstate. Sometimes I even use my knee on the steering wheel and I clap while I'm singing while I'm driving down the interstate. I get blessed when I drive. Nobody else likes my singing, so I have to sing when I'm by myself. So worship should be personal, but it's also corporate. And again, through these two disciplines, we position ourselves before God so that God can bring His transforming grace to our lives. So this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going, to, we're going to make a public confession. And then the worship team is going to lead us in a worship response. So for this, I'm going to ask if you would set your Bibles aside. Go ahead and stand to your feet. The confession that we're going to read this morning is on the screen. And I'm going to invite you simply to make this confession with me. As we bring ourselves open and honest before God this morning. Let's read this. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against You in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved You with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. Through the provision of Your Son, Jesus Christ, Have mercy on us and forgive us. We also confess our great need of You. We confess that our knowledge, our talent, and our experience is insufficient for the challenges we face. Fill us with Your Holy Spirit and empower us to live a life that brings honor to You. Now let's... Lift their voices in worship to the God who's worthy. And as we do that, I would just invite you this morning, don't be so much worried about your neighbor. They're going to be okay. Okay? Set your focus on the one who's given you life. As Paul says, in view of God's mercies, we present ourselves as living sacrifices. We bring ourselves before a God who loves us outrageously, And before the Holy Spirit who wants to, what, transform, refine in our lives. Let's open our lives this morning to the wonder of God's grace as we lift our voices in worship. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.